Welcome to the Brunch and Slay podcast, your weekly dose of inspiration. Well, we remember that if she can, I can, we all can. I'm your host, Amira Sain, founder of Brunch and Slay, a lifestyle brand created to inspire women to live their best lives every day. Well, you know, if this pandemic has taught us nothing at all, it has taught us the power of our coins and how we need to have lots of them on reserve and we need to be bold in having them and not take prisoners when it comes to collecting them. So today's guest is a woman after my heart because she's in charge of her finances and she's educating all of us. How many of us, right, when it comes to finances, we're always like really wanting someone who resonates with us, right? We want somebody who we can understand. We love Susie Orman. You know, we love Dave Ramsey. But who is the new now next? Who's going to speak the language that we understand in a way that really translates to our wallets? So help me welcome to the show a woman who is the founder and creator of Invested Development and the voice of the Dumpster Dog blog, Amanda Holden. Hey, Amanda. Hi, thank you so much for having me. And thank you for that excellent introduction. Well, hey, you make it easy. You make it real easy. <laughs> I mean, I'll take it the new Susie Orman. Somebody once told me that um, I do a lot of live speaking, a lot of live educating. And one of my biggest compliments was somebody said, you're like Susie Orman meets Broad City. And I was like, oh, I'll take that. Well, hello. I love that. I love Broad City. So yes, we that's exactly my kind of kitschy. Yes. <laughs> Well, you know, I'm so happy to have you on the show because when it comes to investing, a lot of us just stick our head in the sand, right? As if we don't know we need it, which I'm not, I'm, I say us, I'm not saying y'all, I'm saying us. You know, in the past, I've been the person who can say I pretty much invested in my company 401k and that was it, right? And now everything in my feed is about investments, about cryptocurrency, about even Cash App, right? You can invest through Cash App. So there's something there. And I want to know how you got started. Like, right, what was the little girl, Amanda? What, at what point on that, on your path, did you fall in love and realize that, hey, this is something I need to be doing. This is something I'm passionate about. Oh, man. Well, I would say that this is this has really very little to do with any of little Amanda's passions. Um, but I, the, the person that I was... As little Amanda, I think has converged nicely with adult Amanda to, to be doing what, what I'm doing, which is essentially educating folks. And I do a lot of work with women specifically, but really anybody who has felt left out of these conversations, because so often these conversations about investing are reserved for people who are already rich or already wealthy. And so really my journey as an educator, as an investing educator, began working in investment management. So when I graduated from school, I started working right away at an investment management firm. And so uh, at the firm, I got kind of, I got thrown into this role right away where I was working directly with our high net worth clients. And so I'd be answering questions about the market, keeping them apprised of portfolio strategy, getting to know their personal financial situations. And so like basically doing a lot of handholding with old rich guys all day. That was pretty much my job. And so it was a great job and I learned a lot, but 
I also kind of hated it. And so after about six years, I had had my fill um, with toxic corporate life and I quit. And yeah, I thought I was going to walk away from investing altogether. I thought I was going to walk away from a career within the, the, the realm of money altogether. But I decided, you know what, maybe my work here isn't done. I have been coaching my friends through all of this stuff, this overly complicated, difficult to navigate stuff. And so maybe there's something here. And so I decided, you know what, maybe my work isn't done. I'm going to come back. I'm going to start my business. I'm going to try to make this information as accessible as possible, which is something that I try to do using humor and making these conversations completely judgment-free because what I don't want is for somebody to not get started because they feel like they should have already known this or they feel like they should have already done this because the reality is, and hopefully this is inspiring to you, is that nobody knows anything. So don't worry. If you don't, if you feel like you don't know anything, do not worry. This is a learning curve for all of us. Nobody is born knowing how to do this stuff. Well, you know, that's a good place to start. Nobody's born with it. And it's, sometimes I feel like in some industries, things are overcomplicated intentionally. Right. Um, you know, a lot of people make money when you don't understand what to do with your money. Right. Um, or, or how to, it should be invested or which route to take. So I feel like one of my missions this year was to, is to slay my knowledge and investments. Right. And to really be okay with it. Um, and realizing that we can start wherever we are. And so I, I definitely want to chat about that with you while you're here. But first, let's talk about, um, invested development. Right. I love the name. Of course, it's a play. On, I'm guessing it's a play on Arrested Development. It yeah. is. Okay. Yes. <laughs> so let's talk about that and kind of get people up to speed so they really have a better idea of what it is you do and how, you know, it can help. And then I definitely want to know more. Sure. Well, probably like everybody, my entrepreneurial journey over the last year has changed quite quite a bit. So it used to be primarily live workshops and live speaking. And I was actually set in 2020 to do a, a national speaking tour, but that didn't happen. And so we moved everything online. So it's mostly online workshops. And then I also have a full online course. So my best, most complete option is for learning investing is my full video course. But I also do one-off workshops workshops for people that just want to get their feet wet. They're you know not sure if they want to get started. And so that is really what falls under the umbrella of invested development. So, okay. I'm glad you kind of talked about the pandemic and how it affected your work. So let's talk about investing during COVID. For those people who are newbies and who are novice and who are seeing things in their fees, just as I am, it's very confusing, right? And it's information overload when you start seeing the articles that are like 20 tips here, three platforms you should be using. No one can hear the true action because of all the noise. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about where are some tips for people who are just getting started right? No shame in it. During a pandemic, now that you realize the power that you need and the resource that, resources that you need, where does one start? Sure. So I am a really big advocate of an investing style that is truly breathtakingly boring. <laughs> it's a very set it and forget it strategy. Basically, what you're trying to do is more or less buy assets that you think are going to increase in value over very long periods. And so a lot of the noise we hear right now is about what is happening in the market today? What's happening this week? What's happening with, you know, GameStop stock or what is happening with cryptocurrency? And we can get wrapped up in what is happening right now. But Investing in this way, trying to 
react to the market or trying to get cute and outsmart the market on a day-to-day basis is a bit of a fool's errand. Over time, you really cannot successfully do that. The thing that we see as being most successful when you're investing, and, and really a lot of what I teach is investing in the stock market specifically, but stock and bond markets, is that it's slow and steady wins the race, which nobody wants to hear because it's just not the way our brains work. Our brains are not designed to be thinking about investing for 40 years from now. Our brains are designed to check the cupboards 15 times for a Snickers bar that we know isn't there, but we keep doing it anyways, because that's just the way that our brains work is, is we are designed to think about right now, what can I do today in order to protect myself? Or we often act out of greed as well. And so I always tell people, if, if you are investing based off of greed or um, a desire to get rich quick or because something is hot and now everybody else is talking about it and now you want the popular, trendy, fashionable thing, um, if you're investing for any one of those reasons, first of all, I feel you. <laughs> I want to get rich quick too. But it's just not a successful or sustainable long-term strategy. For as much money as you could make very quickly, you could lose it all just as quickly. And so instead, really what we're trying to do specifically with the stock market is find a way to collect shares over time. Because let's even talk, if, if you don't mind, let's even talk about what is a stock? What do you actually own when you own a stock? So a stock is essentially just a teeny tiny little sliver of company ownership. So when you buy a share of stock, you quite literally now own part of Target or you own part of Microsoft or you own part of whatever company it is that you are buying stock for. And that is a fixed percentage of ownership. Your amount of ownership, albeit it's very, very small, but you can think of it as your piece of the pie and proportionally, you will always now own that piece of the pie. And so the idea is that as the entire pie grows, as the entire company grows, so does your teeny tiny little piece of the pie. But you have to remember that growth in economies and in the stock market and in our lives, in our personal lives, does not happen in a neat linear direction, it is very up and down, right? Anybody that's ever been an entrepreneur knows that it's two step forward, one step back, right? Anybody that's just ever lived a human life knows that not every year is a banner year. And that's the way that it is with the stock market as well. It is actually a pretty normal thing to experience negative, negative growth or loss in the stock market. So don't be don't be surprised. Don't be, don't think you did it wrong. If you invest into the stock market and you, your investments temporarily lose value. If that's what the market is doing, then that's what the market is doing. We are now along for this ride and we cannot control the stock market. All we can do is hope to invest for long enough that all of those short-term dramas shake out and that the economy has moved so much higher and grown so much and created so much additional wealth in the world that your shares are going to be bigger without a doubt. And so that's why you always hear it's time in the market. Don't try to time the market. It's time in the market. And so that's a little bit about the stock market. Um, what, what seems like it might be, tell me if this is what would be helpful next, is to talk about how to actually do that. More Brunch and Slay after this. 
I heard a nasty rumor another day, and it was someone saying that email marketing is dead. Well, I'm here to tell you that it's not. I know a lot of us tend to fall in love with social media, and it's a great place to be, and it's awesome for interacting with new people. But one thing about social media is that you don't own it. What you do own is your email list. As a matter of fact, during COVID-19, over $4 billion were made through email marketing. Yep, that's right, $4 billion. Email marketing helps you reach your audience over 122% more times than just social media alone. And as a matter of fact, when it comes to my email marketing needs, there's only one brand I trust, and that's myemailmedic.com. Head on over to myemailmedic.com to get all the tricks and tips and campaigns and templates that you need to help your brand elevate. Use code brunch and slay to get 10% off of all your templates and email marketing needs. And when you get there, tell them Amira sent you. That's myemailmedic.com. And now back to brunch and slay. Well, I think let's hold on for a second okay. because yeah, we don't know where everyone is, but I think the, the important thing is that mindset, right? That you kind of talked about and your expectations. I think a lot of time, especially now, again, when we're piggybacking on um, covet culture is what I call it. We covet the things in our timeline. We covet the things that other people are showing us because they have it. And because your cousin is now doing cryptocurrency or your cousin is trading stock at 3 a.m., that sounds fun and great, but we have to meet ourselves where we are, right? And we have to understand the process. So one of the things that's kind of always intrigued me when it comes to a line of slow and steady wins the ways are index funds, right? What's your view? I think that might be something to kind of segue into coming off of the initial uh, uh, direction and, and explanation of what a stock is and what that truly means. And some of the safer things that people like me who are risk averted, yeah, <laughs> you know, who don't mind uh, investing some, but like to see their funds. And, it, and I think an index fund for me mentally makes sense because I know it's, it's the long game. So can you kind of talk about those and your view on what index funds and if people should even participate? Yeah, absolutely. And that's actually, that's what I was leading into anyways, because when I'm talking about investing in the stock market, obviously we naturally go to thinking buying individual stocks. I go buy shares of Microsoft. I go buy shares of Target or whatever company again. And you could certainly do it that way. But then you are giving yourself a whole another job of now managing your investment portfolio. But the great news is if you don't want to do that, you don't have to. And there's actually a much easier way to get invested in the market that is not only easier, but historically it has been significantly more successful than trying to pick your own individual stocks, which can be really difficult to do. And really quickly, just briefly on why is it so difficult to pick individual stocks? There's a lot of reasons, but you can boil it down to this one reason, which is nobody knows what's going to happen in the future. You're not trying to buy an investment. You don't want to buy an investment that's already done well in the past. Maybe it does well in the future, but maybe it's something else. Maybe over the next 10 years, something else is going to shoot forward and have a turn. And so it is very hard to pick the winners. It's like trying to find a needle in a haystack because again, none of us has a crystal ball. And so instead, what we can do is we can invest in all stocks. Basically, what we can do is we can invest using investment funds, so either mutual funds or exchange-traded funds. They're, they're constructed in two different ways, but a fund is a fund is a fund, where basically an investment fund is a big old basket 
of some other investment type. So like it's a big old basket of stocks or a big old basket of bonds. And so in this case, what you could do is with literally two clicks of a button, buy a big fund that holds either, you know, the 500 leading companies in the United States, that's, that's an S&P 500 index fund, or you could buy a fund that holds all stocks in the United States or all international stocks. There's lots of different options. Now, the word that you brought up that I haven't mentioned yet is the word index. So index is a particular style and this style can be, it can be applied to mutual funds. It can be also applied to ETFs. And so index essentially means investing in the whole market or a representative sample of that market. So basically what you're saying is like, I'm just going to invest in the entire U.S. stock market and I will just return whatever the average returns of all stocks are, which we have known historically to be quite generous. So you've probably heard this 10% number thrown around. The U.S. stock market has, we call it annualized, but you can just think averaged out over time. It increases at a rate of about 10% per year, which is quite generous for you to just buy one index fund that invests you in the entire market, and then it generates 10% returns on average each year over time. And so this is a way to invest in the market that is is extremely diversified. You can probably imagine that trying to pick one stock is a lot more risky. You're taking a lot on a lot more risk than if you were to buy all stocks. And so index funds, these kind of index style funds, whether it's an index mutual fund or an index ETF are really quite great ways for beginners and actually everybody to be invested in the stock market. You know, what's kind of great is that the best strategy for beginners is also the best strategy for folks that are really, really wealthy. You know, one anecdote that I always like to, to share is that is when LeBron James got his first big signing bonus, he went to Warren Buffett, who is the most legendary living investor. And LeBron was like, hey, what do I what do I do with my money? Like, what should, how should I invest? And Warren Buffett was like, keep it simple, just invest in an S&P 500 index fund and call it a day. And so even the best strategy for somebody like LeBron is a strategy that is not only easily replicable, but is really great for small investors as well. No, I love that example. I mean, and I think uh, it can be extremely overwhelming and we all want to be empowered, right? The, these are... We're freeing minds, the different spaces in our minds now where we're seeing missteps of the generations before us and different powers that women kind of gave away, right? And, and not necessarily because we just wanted to give it away or we were being, you know, resting on our laurels. It's because we didn't have the excess, right? They didn't let us in the room. They didn't have women like you at the table with different brokerage firms uh, for, for years, right? So we are, I won't say playing catch up, but we're laying our foundation now as, as, as a gender uh, and as we're moving forward. So I'd love to know a little bit about the initial investment because that's the part that literally keeps people from moving forward. And I kind of talked about Cash App just because I thought it was really unique for them to allow, and forgive me, I left on a notification, y'all, because I'm human and this morning's been crazy. But <laughs> uh, when we're talking about the initial investment, that's the part I think that literally is the roadblock. People tend to think they need $10,000, $15,000. We know that not to be true because if you work for a company, they're taking such small amounts out of your check if you're invested in your 401k. But if we choose to take the reins for ourselves and at least try to compensate, you know, and have more than one 
road to retirement or to financial freedom. What's a good amount to start with? Or is there a certain amount or is there some platform that gives you less access than another? Let's dive in there. I'm sure people have questions about that. Yeah, sure. And so again, the good news is that so much has changed even over the last 20 years. And really just in terms of like what the banks are offering, because, you know, even 30, 40, 20 years ago, if you wanted to be an an investor, you had to start with quite a bit of money. And a lot of that was because you always had to work with some sort of intermediary. You had to work with a stockbroker. You had to work with a wealth manager. And so somebody needs to get paid. And these people don't want to work with folks that don't have very much to get started. And so they were really gatekeepers. Well, nowadays, the banks under they want now they're they're getting hip to the fact that yes of course you want people to get started at your bank when they are young so you can grow your wealth with them and so we've seen a real change across the banking industry to create investing options that make sense for smaller investors and newer investors and so there are a couple of brokerage banks which are my favorite and just so you know like i think that people get tripped up on the word brokerage you can just think of the word stockbroker. Like back in the day, if you wanted to buy a stock or you can even imagine buy a fund, you would have to walk over to a stockbroker and be like, hey, dude, can I buy a share of this stock? And he would have to broker that deal for you. He would have to find a someone to buy that stock from. And so there used to always be people on the back end, but now it's all automated behind the, the, the scenes of these big brokerage banks. But we still use the word brokerage to mean a bank, but where you can buy and sell investments. And so that means you can open accounts at these banks, just like you could open an account at Wells Fargo. But instead of just being able to hold cash, these accounts that you have in your name can also hold investments. And so the first step is always deciding what bank you want to use or what platform. So you mentioned Cash App. Obviously, Robinhood is one that is on everybody's mind as well. And so I I don't really know Cash App. To, To be honest, I'm not as familiar with what they're offering, but I'm guessing it's probably something pretty similar to what Robinhood offers. And so Let's start with the brokerage banks and then we can move to the cash apps and the Robin Hoods. So a brokerage bank, like my favorites for getting started with smaller dollar amounts are Fidelity and Charles Schwab. And the reason that I like these two banks is because you're not paying any sort of account fees. So they're not going to charge you $12 a month to open an account if it doesn't have a minimum balance or some BS like that. No annual fees. So basically all accounts are free. And so that's a good start. And then also these banks have low cost investing options. That's basically index funds. So index funds, because investment funds can also have a bunch of secret embedded fees within them. If you buy an index fund, you're all but guaranteed that they're not going to have all these wacky secret fees. And so low cost investing options like funds, that you can buy in with small dollar amounts. So for example, at Fidelity and Charles Schwab, you can get started with any dollar amount. So if that's $10, if that's $100, if that's $1,000, you can get started with any of those dollar amounts. And so what you would essentially do is just open up an account And we should come back to this because people get really tripped up on what type of account they should open because you could open up a regular old brokerage account, which is just like just a place to buy and sell investments, nothing fancy, nothing special about it. 
But then there are other types of brokerage accounts that get special tax treatment, and those are retirement accounts. So a Roth IRA is really just a brokerage account with special tax treatment. A 401k that you get through work is really just a brokerage account with special tax treatment. A SEP IRA that you open at a brokerage account is really just a brokerage account with special tax treatment. And and we can come back to this if we want, but the first step is to choose what type of account you want to open and choose the bank. So for example, maybe you're like, you know what? I want to open up a Roth IRA at Fidelity. So the first step is to open up that Roth IRA at Fidelity and then fund it with cash. Hook it right up to your checking account, send money in, whether that's 10 bucks or a hundred bucks or whatever it is. And once that money makes it w- its way to your account, you, into your Roth IRA, then you can actually use that cash to buy investments. And so it's a multi-step process. And so that's how you would do it with a major brokerage bank, which is definitely what I recommend doing. But Robinhood, Cash App, there are lots of apps that do make it even easier to buy investments. And so, you know, with Robinhood specifically, it is just a platform to buy stocks or to buy ETFs, which can be index ETFs. So really, it's you can think of it like it's a blank canvas, like Robinhood... I mean, there, I have some problems with Robinhood, but think of it like a blank canvas. Robinhood itself is not going to dictate your returns. The investments you choose and the strategy you decide to employ is going to be what dictates your returns. And so the pro of Robinhood is that, that it makes it super easy. The con of Robinhood is that they take a lot of pages out of the social media playbook where they're trying to get you to spend as much time on the app as possible, to trade as much as possible, to trade risky types of investments like options contracts without really understanding what they are. Because they, even though they're not charging you for trades, they make money when you trade. You better believe it. And so what we see is young people often getting themselves into really deep shit. Sorry, we can... We could edit that into really deep doo-doo. Ew, that even sounds worse. (laughs) Hey, that's okay. They're used to an F-bomb and an S-bomb every now and again on this show. So you're fine. (laughs) Especially when we're talking about the financial services industry, how can you not use the occasional F-bomb? Right? (laughs) (laughs) And so that was like a lot of talking to say that these apps are totally great to get your feet wet and to get started. But at some point, you'll want to migrate to having an account at a bank, you know, to, to, to be really thoughtful about what account you're opening at that bank and then just to get started. No, I think that's that's some really great advice. You know, I know a lot of times we start to glaze over when we think about money. I don't know why, because we love spending it, right? We love the benefits of having, you know, those those foldable bills and that virtual money in our accounts. But I think one thing I want to say here because this is just, is just as much for me, y'all. I'm serious about slaying every part of my life and finances is front and foremost. And I don't think we need to reinvent the wheel. Like save that for the next generation after they get their trust fund, whatever we leave them, let them figure out how to leverage it. Let's start with a strong foundation. Let's go to the S&P, right? And let's just, just figure that part out in every slow and steady wins the race, right? I think a lot of times it just looks sexy or we want to, I don't need to know that. I got a lot of shit going on in my life. I don't have time to be looking at paperwork, reading the journal, uh, any of that. I want great information from great people and smart women like Amanda who has vetted it. She's done it. She's done the homework. She's worked the job, right? And we talk about that on this show all the time. 
leveraging our intellectual property. She's done it. So she is an asset to us. You now have her because you get to listen to this. You get to stop and make notes in this episode and go back to look at, look up Charles Schwab, right? And look up the things that she's recommending and then do your research on Amanda. I am by no means saying, Hey, do everything here. You're probably going to wind up doing it anyway, but you definitely should do some cross-referencing because I am not going to bring someone here who doesn't know their stuff. Because we are on a mission to build and win, right? And the only way we're going to do that is getting our ducks in a row. So thank you, Amanda, for like the, the breaking down is everything. Like I see so many opportunities for us to continue this conversation. Um, let's talk about the big pivot, right? Because there are so many moments right now, especially that all of us are like, didn't see it coming. Didn't see that coming. How do we start to prepare for that? Like, what are some key things right now? I know we've kind of talked about investing. We got that. We know that we need to start where we are, right? And start with what we have. But right now, today, to prepare for the next, I didn't see it coming moment. What are some action items that you think we should we should get started with? Sure. And so in my mind, I'm kind of seeing two different ways to, to answer this question. And so the first is, in organizing our own personal finances. And the second is mentally dealing with whatever stock market economic crash comes next. And so let's start with the personal finance piece. If 2020 taught us anything, it is that we have got to make sure that we are like not just our future self, but our now self, our present self is adequately taken care of. And I just don't want anybody to think that if they don't have, you know, a comfortable amount in emergency savings that they need to be investing quite yet. It is totally fine to take care of you right now first. And so maybe that's your big takeaway from this episode is like, you know what, like, let's just go hard on I almost think of it as like building a fortress around yourself with money because, you know, having a little bit of extra money can get you out of, you know, almost any trouble that the, the next unexpected thing can, can bring our way. But it also just helps us sleep better at night on a day to day basis. And so just saving up emergency money is great. And another great thing to work on just to be a little bit more prepared to take on the next spat of, volatility or whatever it may be, is to pay off your credit cards. And so, you know, when we're thinking about investing, when we're thinking, really what we're doing is we're thinking about ways to build wealth. And the reality is there is no way that you can invest that is going to outpace what you are bleeding out in credit card interest, right? The average credit card, you're paying about a 17% rate of interest per year. And let me tell you, there's only one investor who is making 17% return on their investment per year. And that is MasterCard. That is Visa. And they're making it on us. Truly. Right. Because it, amen, amen. <laughs> and so if the goal is ultimately to build wealth, then a really great next goal is to get into a habit of paying those credit cards off in full each month. And you know, if you're somebody with credit card debt, what I cannot have you be doing is beating yourself up at all because we live in a country that makes it really difficult to to survive and to be alive. And and this is something that you said at the, at the beginning too, right? Like we live in a country that has very little social safety net. And so it's all on us, right? If 2020 made anything clearer is that it's like really all on us, which 
is not ideal. And I will continue to fight for our taxes to actually take care of us and our government to take care of us. But that's a whole another topic. But again, I just don't want there to be any shame involved with the process of paying off debt. It's just something that you have to do. And, and that's a really great goal if that's what's next for you. And so on a on a personal standpoint, that's what I would I would say, what I would recommend. Do you have any before I move to the market stuff? Do you have any? No, I think that's excellent advice, and I and I, I, I agree with you with not having shame. A lot of people right now have been forced to live off their credit cards. Hey, it takes what it takes. Slow and steady wins the race. Don't think, and you guys have heard me say this all twenty twenty one and twenty twenty. We are looking at ten years. We're looking at twenty thirty, not twenty twenty two, not twenty twenty three. So it takes as long as it takes. Right. And just think about all the money that you're paying on those credit card bills being freed up for investments. So that changes when you're not paying that high interest. That opens up tons of funds for us to be able to invest into our index funds and different things of that nature until we get comfortable. So, yes, I'm piggybacking. Yes, let's go. (laughs) Amazing. And that's actually a great segue to my next point, which we're thinking 20 years, we're thinking 30 years. And that's really the mindset that you have to take with your investments as well, especially those investments in the stock market. So when you are invested in an index fund that invests you in the, in the stock market, you are essentially, like I said, along for the ride. And so what we typically see happen in the stock market is that it's mostly up about 70% of years, the stock market is positive, but 30% of years, the stock market is negative. So that means you could invest $1,000 in an S&P 500 index fund. And let's say that the market is down 20% that year, which is totally normal and natural. That means your $1,000 just went from a thousand, the investment just went from a thousand dollars to $800. You just, and I'm using air quotes for people that are listening, lost $200. You don't lose anything until you sell it. You still own the same amount of shares. What's happening is that the market is temporarily valuing those shares as less. And this like gets a little bit into the weeds. So if I lose you, I'm so sorry. But I think that this is so important in understanding stock market volatility. Because so often what you hear is people say like, oh yeah, be prepared for volatility. But it's like, okay, but like, why does volatility happen? Why would my investment that is worth $1,000 one day be worth $800 the next? And the reason for that is the stock market is this wild and wacky place, unlike any other place, where when people buy into stocks, that literally pushes the price higher. And when people sell stocks, that drops the price lower. What we are seeing is supply and demand for these little shares of company ownership, these stocks, play out in real time. There is almost no other market in the world where you see the price or the value of these things that are for sale change in real time. Like, can you imagine if you knew every 15 seconds of the day what your house was valued at, right? It might drive you a little bit crazy. And that's actually what happens with the stock market is that it's in constant flux as people buy in and out of the stock market. And so that, like on paper, it's looking like your shares are worth less, which, yeah, sure. Okay, so if you tried to sell them right now, you would be selling them for less. They are worth worth less in in that stance. But the reality is you're not buying these shares to sell them right now. You are buying these shares 
to hold them for 20 or 30 years. And again, what we're trying to do is give the stock market enough time to work out any short-term kinks. You want to be so incredibly certain that you've given it enough time that these First of all, these companies for which you own stocks are absolutely going to be wealthier and those prices are going to reflect as well. And so keep that in mind. Keep it in mind what you own when you own a stock. Even if the stock market is down it do and your investments are down, it does not mean your investments are broken. It does not mean the stock market is broken. It just means that that's where we're at in the market cycle. And here's something that's also really important to understand. I do not advocate trying to time the market. Do not wait for a crash. But if the stock market crashes, that's an incredibly good time to buy shares. And that's one of the most counterintuitive things about investing in the market is that when the market is bad, and we use the word bad to describe a market crash, it's actually a good thing if you are us and you are an investor that's trying to buy in. Yeah, it's bad if you are somebody that's retired and trying to live off of your investments, but it is very good if you are somebody that is in the mode where you are collecting and collecting and collecting shares, because of course you would want them for cheaper and not more expensive, but that's just not the way that our brains work. Our brains want to buy into something once it's the shiny thing, once it's like already performed well, but that's not the good time to buy into the market. No, that's such great information. And, you know, as you all are listening, I, I see more and more the, the benefit of having people like Amanda in our feed, right? It's those daily nuggets. It's those little reminders. So I know you guys are probably just as inspired and excited about your next plunge into the market and what you're going to do as I am after listening to Amanda. So tell them where they can follow you and, and how they can get more information, because I think that they're going to want to know more after this. <laughs> oh yeah. And like, also, sometimes it just takes hearing this stuff a couple of times. You're really learning a whole new language. And so give yourself some grace. It takes hearing it a couple times. I'm always talking about this stuff over on Instagram at dumpster.doggy is my Instagram handle. I'm also the same on TikTok. I am too old for TikTok, but I'm trying. <laughs> And so th those are the two best places to get free investing education. And then if you really want to step up your game, I've got these workshops and then my full course as well, which I'm always talking about on Instagram. So you'll, you'll, you'll know it when you see it. Yes. And, and you know, we, we definitely believe in starting where you're at and you will work up to it. Maybe your goal for next quarter is to buy the course. Um, I think once you get to know, I, I mean, obviously I love that you make it relatable and you break it down, right? Because these things can be intimidating. And I'm, and even for someone like me who knows nothing, right? I know the bare minimum of what I used to watch on, what was his name? Mad Money on um, oh, Jim Cramer. Yeah, Jim Cramer. I used to watch that all the time. This That's where my, my, I guess my little bit of knowledge that I have started. But I think that, it's important to find the person whose language you, you know, gravitate toward. That's a huge part of the trust when it comes to building for our future. So, you know, Amanda, thank you so much for taking time out of your day and sharing these nuggets of wisdom and pointing us in the right direction, because we definitely need to see that lighthouse right now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Take care of yourselves. And thank you so much for having me. Yes, yes. And, you know, as you are navigating and making the decisions you need to make for your household and for your future, um, I want you to remember that all of us start with nothing. Like right? we start with no knowledge and that if she can, I can, we all can. And this is Brent's Life. <laughs>